Hey, sweet mama. Are you tired of all the tantrums, meltdowns, and power struggles and just wish you could have some relief? I've got a treat for you today. I cannot wait to share this incredible guest interview with you where Kelly Shoup, a pediatric occupational therapist and parenting coach who has just helped our family so much over the last year or two, we are going to dive into so many practical parenting tips that have just given us incredible, incredible relief, has helped us feel much more empowered in supporting our son in particular, our, our four-year-old now, through a lot of the transitions in military life, and just has fostered a much more connection-oriented, peaceful relationship with him. So without the constant yelling, all the power struggles, or with exhaustion and overwhelm, she has over 20 years of experience helping parents kind of wrangle their little ones, plus parenting her own kids, three kids with a long track record of success. And she supported our family, like I said, in some of the most difficult seasons of military life so that we can not just survive those chapters, but also to really thrive together. So I know you are going to be so blessed by this episode. So in this, we're going to cover how to help our kids through transitions and kind of the constant change that can come with military life or just the transitions of life in general, like add a new baby to the mix or moves, anything like that, how to reduce the power struggles and meltdowns and make everyday routines much smoother with our kids tips for how to stay calm and to feel much less overwhelmed as parents so we can help our kids better regulate and so we don't have to lose our cool when they're having a tantrum or when they're not listening or when we just feel really frustrated and exhausted by their behavior on top of everything else we're managing and juggling right uh, we talk about how to understand what our child's behavior is actually communicating with us what's developmentally normal and healthy for them and how we can really support them through those different seasons how to move from kind of a more harsher obedience, control, compliance-based parenting to more gentle, connection-oriented, present, and playful approach, so less authoritarian-style parenting. And this has just dissolved so much of the power struggles before they even begin <laughs> for us as a family. And it's allowed for so much deeper connection with my kids and really allowed me to show up in the way that I want to as a mother. You know, a lot of this is also how we can support our kids in developing their own self-confidence and self-worth. And then throughout, we're also leaning on God and his grace through it all so that we can be the moms that he's calling us to be. These simple, practical, tactical tips and strategies that Kelly has taught me has helped me have so much more fun in my parenting. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things too, is I'm able to play with my kids in the way that I wasn't able to before. I'm able to be present with them in a way that I wasn't able to be before, even when, you know, we've got demanding work days and trying to balance all the things as military moms or as working moms. So I know that this is going to just bless you so much today and I can't wait to hear how it impacts you. Hey sister, welcome to Arm to the Heart. Do you wanna make an impact as a military mom and be the best mom and leader you can be at the same time? Are you finding yourself stressed and weighed down by guilt with how much your time, your work steals from your family and often worry that they're getting the leftovers of you? Do you feel alone carrying the heavy load of pregnancy, postpartum, of motherhood and uniform with so many expectations to perform in your job, stay physically fit, and such little support? Hey, I'm Megan, and in my early years as an active duty mom in the army, I was so burnt out. I was just wishing for more time with my baby, the freedom to actually put my family and faith first while still giving my best to the team. And I was giving all I had, but it just never felt like enough. Trying to bounce back quickly, feeling all those pressures, prove myself in a male-dominated unit, trying to manage the home the best of my ability, and keep our marriage strong through so much long distance and dual military life. I just felt like I was falling short in all of it, but especially failing my family. I felt exhausted. I felt trapped in the army, like I was losing myself in what mattered most along the way and just doubting whether all of those sacrifices were worth it. 
I finally cried out to God to direct my path and he started showing me that there's a different way to find more balance and more purpose. So in this podcast, you're gonna find time management strategies, holistic health and fitness tips, and mindset transformations so you can find that balance that you long for to be who you're called to be for both your family and your work without having to compromise what's most important. So lace up those boots and put on the armor of God. Let's run this race up before us as sisters in arms, as sisters in Christ. Hello, my friends. So I am so excited to bring to you a special guest today, Kelly Shoup, and she is a occupational therapist who is just an incredible human being, um, has so much experience in both her own parenting as well as professionally in this space. And I cannot wait to just bring all of her knowledge and her gifts to you today. We're going to talk about primarily um, helping our kids through transitions and really dealing with so much of the change that often accompanies our military life or just all the transitions that can happen in different stages of life for our kids and for our family life and how we can really support our kids through that and how we can parent more peacefully and feel more empowered through it and really just lean on all the grace that God wants to give us through our parenting. So thank you for being here, Kelly, and taking the time to be here. Oh, thank you. It's um, it's an honor to be here. I'm excited to talk to you and yes, to share any any wisdom I have, any anything I've learned it is yours that um, I'm happy to share. So yeah, yeah, awesome. So can you introduce yourself uh, for our audience yes. and then we'll, we'll dive right in? Yes. So yes, I am Kelly Shoup. I have been a pediatric occupational therapist, parenting coach, and kind of child development specialist for over 20 years. And I live in Dallas, Texas. I have three kids of my own, a 19 year old freshman in college son, a 17 year old daughter who is a junior in high school, and then a seventh grade daughter. So I have been where you are. I have been in the trenches. And I think what has allowed me to parent differently is just my education and college degree of knowing more about what normal, healthy childhood development looks like. So I would say that's the thing that I've always been able to recognize. I have my triggers. I have times when I get tired, I have different stressors. And when I get, you know, kind of bogged down or upset, I can say, okay, is this a me thing? Is this a Kelly mom thing? Or is this a kid thing? And I've always had that um, pediatric occupational therapy background to say, okay, this is this is a kid thing, but or no, the kids are fine. This this probably is a mom thing. So yeah, I love all of that. Like, and I think one of the things that I've learned the most from you, uh, the way we got connected originally was through some of our professional networks in our Catholic community, um, fellow business owners, and then we got connected, and I was like. Kelly, I need to do an SOS call with you because we're having so much, so much trouble with Matthew through some of our big transitions in this last year when we were doing um, a few military moves and he was transitioning from the one and a half year old room in the daycare to the three-year-old room. And he went from, you know, the, you know, young toddlers that he was surrounded by being one of the oldest kids, right? In that, in that room at that point to then being surrounded by three to almost seven-year-olds in this room. And you know, as I shared with Kelly at that time, we were, we really were at like a difficult point as parents and we had no idea how to support Matthew through it because we had just moved from Hawaii to Missouri. You know, we're in the thick of the PCS process. It's just absolutely crazy. And then there are also a lot of challenges in that daycare room that we were wrestling with. And so, you know, I came to Kelly and I was like, how do we help Matthew? Because 
I'm seeing all the challenges in the room. They you know, are having trouble with leadership. They had a whole, you know, a lot of turnover of their personnel. They were firing a number of teachers. It was just a bit of a mess. And so Matthews was bearing the brunt of that and bringing a lot of those challenges home. And we saw it in his behavior. We saw it in how, you know, how many tantrums he had having meltdowns. It felt like constant power struggles. And I just knew he was not himself. And I was like, we need help. I don't feel like I have enough tools to help him through this and to also maintain our own calm, like you talked about, Kelly. And when you have these kinds of tools, it just enables you to parent differently, like you said. And it is just a game changer. And so in like a one hour call, you gave us so many tools and just techniques that we could use with him. And literally I was laughing when I was voice messaging back and forth with Kelly yesterday, because Tim, who is currently solo parenting all by himself, as I'm at a training course now, and to put it in context, we just had six months of time apart where we're stationed apart. I was solo parenting without him. And then we had two days of overlap as he moved home to us from his last training, um, you know, time. And then I had to move for two months for my training. So we had like no overlap as a family and a whole bunch of change. So right now we are in the thick of transitions and the thick of changes again, and we're seeing some of the same patterns. Right. And so anyways, but I was just laughing because Tim literally brought up, I'm just trying to give Matthew as many choices as possible on as many things that I don't really care about as possible. And I was just laughing because Kelly literally taught us this one trick, basically, I would say, that helps when so much of their world is changing around them and they feel like they have no sense of control. So they try to grab that control as much as possible is they are going to act out. They're not going to listen. We're going to see as parents. And so if you give them as many kind of micro choices throughout the day as possible, like what blanket do you want? What underwear do you want? You know, what color shirt do you want? Um, do you want to bunny hop over to brush our teeth or do we want to, you know, just run? Like, what do we want to do with those kinds of things that don't really matter too much, but it gives them that sense of agency again. So Tim literally said like, oh, I'm trying to give them as many choices as possible. And I was just laughing. And I shared that with Kelly because we just had one call with her that Tim was on. I've worked with her a lot more personally, but we had one call that my husband was on with her too. And he remembered that and he's now applying it, you know, a whole entire year later. So like, that was just a testament to the impact that you had on us as parents and the, how much of a difference maker some of these just simple, simple tools and techniques are as you navigate the trend is like you said, of parenting. So thank you for everything you've done for us. And, you know, I hope that kind of gives a little bit more context for kind of some of the things that, you know, we can, we can speak to even in this conversation. Yeah. Everything I give is really simple. It's not easy, but I think there's a misconception about parenting that, you know, I'm going to have to go out and spend a bunch of money, or I need this particular certain toy. That's going to be the magic pill to fix everything. And it usually never is a tangible thing. It's, easy little things that we can do. And we, we already have, it. it's not going to cost you, you know, it's going to be a couple sentences that you give, it's going to be kind of a shift in your mind. And what you have that is so unique is just that constant transition. And what I help parents understand is just when you're in that transition time, the tendency is to try to get to the end of it, to get to a better place. And uh, so yes. I, I like to say, let's just be in it and let's call it out. And so for myself, when my son left last August to go to college, my family, we were unsettled. Our, our dinner time was different. Our morning routine was different. My middle one would go study in his room to try to be close to him. Like we were all just figuring out this new thing. And so 
for a month. I was just saying, you know what? This is transition. We're figuring it out. There's no right. There's no wrong. We're just, you know, this is that kind of un just difficult uphill, downhill kind of unsettled time. And when, when we can embrace that, I think we can have more compassion towards ourselves, more compassion towards others, and especially compassion towards little ones, because they don't have the capacity at all to weather those transitions you know that it's going to end. They don't. They're, you know, one and a half or three. And they're like, I don't know when, when tomorrow is going to come. So it's just really understanding, okay, this is difficult for them that it's going to take longer for them to get into a, a routine and to just give grace. And with a military move, I would really encourage you to be looking for ways to find security and safety and have it not be where people typically do like in one home, like this is one environment. We, you know, we've lived here for 16 years, but you'll have to be open to what is our thing going to be that registers to all of us. This is home. And it is for sure close proximity But it could be something else that your family invents. So it could be, you know, maybe you making a heart symbol and you touch your chest and send that to your kids and your husband does it. And that can give a feeling of home that you could do from far away. You know, you could do on FaceTime that you could send a heart. So there's certain things that could be easier to form that constancy of home and safety and security for your kids that could really help everybody. But that safety and security, that's the most important thing. And that's what every human spends their whole life trying to achieve through our nervous system, through our cognitive system, through our sensory system. And our, our body automatically is working, automatically doing things to keep it safe. So a lot of times the behavior that Matthew was giving you, he didn't, you know, he wasn't meaning to push mom's buttons. He wasn't meaning to make Tim mad at night. His behavior was an automatic response in those young ages to, oh, hey, I feel something feels unsafe here. Like something is off and I don't know what it is and I can't articulate it because I'm three, but my body is picking up on this. And so it's just coming out. Yeah. And so, um, you, he can't stop it. All Mm -hmm. we can do is kind of be alert to it. And so in those transitions, in those big moves, in those times of, okay, dad left, mom's going to, you know, leave again. What does that safety look like? What does that security, how can I get that message across? What does my child need? And each child is different. So that is another thing that it's like, okay, we're each unique, but then also similar too. So, yeah. Yeah. And that concept of when you first talked to me about that, understanding that Matthew, his whole sense of safety and security was just completely thrown off. And when I started to 
really look at it in that way, it gave me so much more, like you said, grace and compassion towards him. And I was like, wow, okay, so I can expect this and I can just have reasonable expectations in my head of what I can anticipate seeing from him, right, as a parent and what I'm going to maybe walk into each day, you know, when I come back home from work and pick him up and, and all those things too. And I think, you know, we, we've talked about that and you talk about it all the time too, of, you know, why are the evenings so hard? <laughs> Oftentimes when our kids, you know, are at that school day or they're at a daycare environment all day, you come home and it's like, you know, you're trying to get stuff done, make dinner, get dinner on the table. You're trying to just get the bedtime routine going, get everybody moving along. And it's like, the kids are just screaming and crying. You got one kid crying, one kid screaming, everyone's hanging on your legs. Like one wants a nurse and it's just, nobody wants to be put down. And you're just trying to get dinner on the table or whatever it is. That is so hard. And I, one thing that has just been really helpful for me to understand is not to take that personally, not to take it personally as in like, okay, I'm failing as a mom, but more so, of, okay, my kids had a really long day of a lot of sensory stimulus at daycare and they were in a lot of challenging social situations and all kinds of things. And so I'm their safe space, this home and, and me in particular, and many of you who are mothers, you're going to be the same, right? We are the safe space. And so, yeah, we are kind of the emotional dumping ground in some ways for these things. And so that's the case through the, the big transitions and changes, but also the everyday transitions that is just been so helpful as a, kind of a mindset shifts more so than anything um, and then we can move into the practical steps of, okay, well now how can we maintain our own composure and our calm as parents so we can help them regulate? Because the reality is I've really learned this the hard way as a mom, but if I cannot regulate myself and stay calm and be that source of peace for them, then like, it's just going to go downhill even more. It's going to be even more spirals of frustration and, you know, crying or yelling, or it's going to escalate it. But if I can try my best to remain calm or like reset myself in that moment when I lose my patience, right. Or I'm starting to get really frustrated, then that just helps me so much. So like they're having a tantrum and I'm not losing my temper, having a temper tantrum myself, you know, cause it just is not helpful. And, and then yeah. we have all the mom guilt and the shame that comes after that of like, Oh, you know, I yelled at my kid again or whatever. They don't deserve that. They deserve better. And it's, you know, God wants to give us a grace for those moments, but I think that the awareness of, you know, what's contributing to our child's behavior. Cause like you said, it's a form of communication and it's, they don't have the words yet. They don't have the maturity yet. They don't have the ability to process their emotions. Their little bodies can't hold it all. So it comes out. And then we, as right. adults, we, we kind of learn sometimes how to process our emotions, but a lot of us actually learn how to bury them and to distract ourselves and to numb from our emotions. So we right. have to learn those things. Like, and I think motherhood is especially triggering in a lot of ways because we might not have learned those tools to self-regulate or to actually process our emotions in a healthy way. So then when our kids have a super big emotions as you know, it starts in like toddler years, right. When they are, right. or even as a baby, when they're crying and screaming and you're like doing the best you can to nurse them or rock them. And it's just not working. And it's very overstimulating for us. And you feel very overwhelming and you can feel very helpless, but how do we hold space for them in those emotions so we can ride the wave with them and help them move through it. And you really taught me kind of how to look at that and how to think about it and then how to really meet them where they're at so that I'm not also losing my cool when they're struggling, you know? So I'd love to yeah. hear if you have any, you know, specifics on how to speak to that of how to remain calm as parents. Like I literally asked him, I was like, Hey, what should we ask Kelly when I do the interview? What do you think would be helpful? He's like, how to remain calm, you know? And cause you think all of us struggle with it yet. We feel very alone in it and feel a lot of shame when we struggle with this. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think the biggest thing is understanding on my website, I have a sensory profile quiz. And so we all register safety 
it comes through our senses. And so there's actually eight senses, some that are inside of our body, but taste, touch, hearing, vision. Um, and so you can see what senses you are sensitive in. So for me, I'm very hearing sensitive and I know this about me. I know what sensitivities my kids have. And so I know that that dinner time when everybody's kind of, you know, coming in the door and they're slamming the door and somebody's got homework and somebody might be playing music and they might be fighting, that will be the time that I will lose it. And so it might be me putting on um, calm music and having, you know, my earbuds in while I'm cooking dinner. Now I'm still available, but it gives me 20 minutes of prepping dinner without hearing all of that stimulating noise. It might look like, okay, I'm going to be in the thick of the noise. I'm going to prepare dinner. And then, oh, I'm going to go outside and take a 10 minute walk before we sit down and actually eat or whatever your thing is. And so what I love about helping people who are in the military, you guys are all about a pregame strategy. You're all about your systems. So you, you know how to do this well. And so when you know, oh, okay, I just have to figure out what our sensitivities are, what's our system going to be, what's our day look like, then you can set that up. And so the tantrum or the meltdown really, they you can minimize them so much just by, again, being set up kind of pregame, pre-strategy. And then, yeah. you know, when when kids are at daycare or at school, they automatically get an unspoken message of how to behave, how to, you know, do what they need to do to survive. And so a lot of times kids are really having good agency for their little bodies all day long. And if you come home from work or, you know, Tim comes home from work, we need a little bit of downtime. Like we just have to decompress. Like that's a natural bodily response and your kids need that too. And again, because their body is growing and developing and changing so quickly and so much, it looks like kind of bad behavior. They can't do it calmly. They can't, they don't have enough control of all of their faculties to make that look smooth and seamless and quiet if mom needs quiet, right? Which I'm hearing yeah. sensitive. So, yeah. so they can't figure that out yet. So we have to give grace for that and just be like, okay, this, you know, you get 15 minutes. So my youngest one, I had picked up both my daughters at the same school. The littlest one got out 15 minutes before the older one did. So she would get in my car. She would flip all over. She'd take her shoes off, take her jumper off. She'd turn the back of my car. <laughs> it was like a suburban into like a gymnastic studio. And she was just expelling all the energy that she couldn't when she had to stand in line and keep her mouth shut and get her, you know, she was doing everything well and I know a lot of parents who kind of, when they get in the car and melt down are yeah, really harsh yeah. with them, mm -hmm. but it's because they don't understand or give credit for how well they've held it together all day. I'm like, if you didn't get a phone call, if the report is great that your child's doing well, they, they get the 10 minute meltdown. So she would flip around and have a snack and then 
her older sister would get in and she would have the middle school meltdown. <laughs> so that might look like it's a different version at a different age. And it might look like looking at her sister and rolling her eyes or ah, you wore my headband today. I didn't, you know, and it was kind of this, like, just, again, it was a middle school meltdown and we, I would allow it for like five minutes and I had prepped the little sister, like she's going to get in the car and she might be kind of grumpy to you. Don't take it personally. We're just going to give her a little bit of space. Just like I let you flip all over the car. This is her version. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> just allow a little bit of that space and know that really, if you're getting it, your kids have done well to hold it together all day long. And so that's, that's really, we're celebrating in my eyes that if they've done that all day, instead of the, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes of bad behavior that they bring to you. Yeah. That help. Uh, yes, definitely. Kelly, thank you so much. And just understanding how normal that is, because one of the things I found myself doing so much through my early motherhood journey, before I really started to explore a lot more about like early childhood development and there's just all these things, everything from nervous system regulation to just, you know, a lot of the tools I learn and I apply in my own coaching for other women as well. And it applies to our kids in so many ways, right? Because we're all human and this is how God made us. And so understanding too, that I think one thing is if they've got a lot of physical energy, like where can you give them outlets for that physical energy? You know, so maybe it's taking them outside or having, you know, I think many of us might have little things like a indoor trampoline and encouraging them to channel in that direction or doing like a dance party or something. We, we really try, if I notice they're getting more difficult, um, as in both the boys, especially if they're fighting a lot more or something like that. And I, I kind of gauge, okay, well, have they eaten in the last few hours? Maybe they're hangry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they yes. literally told Tim yesterday, I was like, you got to feed them every two to three hours or they will, you will start to see it. And especially Matthew and his behavior. Um, and then same thing with the physical energy release. And I al also noticed that the more we go outside during the day and then during the evenings, if possible, given weather, right. Um, the more we spend that time outside as a family, just the better off everybody is right. Cause that nature is naturally regulating for all of our senses. It's like the perfect yes. sensory balance. It's not overstimulating mm -hmm. like our screens are and like, you know, all the indoor bright lights and loud sounds and all the kinds of things that we're exposed to. Right. So yes, yeah, nature is the biggest bang for your buck because mm -hmm. it does, it helps all our senses in a very, in the best, you know, in the amount that we need. So yes, that is, that's so good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So Kelly, on that on that note too, of allowing ourselves to stay calm and to try to maintain our own interior peace, you know, when our kids are having a hard time, if moms are finding themselves overwhelmed, right? If we're in a season that's, you know, really challenging, and especially if it is, I mean, military life is challenging to begin with. If you're a working mom, like there's a lot going on. Every mom has so much on our plates, right? We're all really busy and we're all carrying a really heavy load. And so it's really easy to be in that kind of state of I'm running around in survival mode. And I'm just trying, I feel so spread thin. I'm pulled in all the directions. I feel like sometimes I got nothing left to give, right? I think many of us have felt that before. So how can we prioritize in the little ways, like becoming more attuned to our own needs as moms and just kind of the importance of self-care and how does that then translate to our ability to show up as moms in the way that our kids need or that we really desire to, that God is calling us to? Yeah. So um, we do have to understand what fills our tank and 
make sure that we make time for that. And that looks like boundaries a lot of time. And it looks like, I think as moms, we think, okay, I can keep doing, and we are naturally, our tendency is to self-sacrifice for our kids. So we will do that. We're compelled to do it until there is nothing left. And so it's having somebody on your team, friend, a spouse who really knows that about you. I need time in nature for me. This is me. And I need time to exercise because it, it's a bodily thing for me. It's a mental thing for me. And I haven't had it because I've injured my knee. And so for the last two weeks, I've been apologizing to my kids. Like I can tell they can tell. And so it's asking for what you need and really being honoring of it and asking for support and, you know, husbands, they're, they're usually almost, they're so agreeable to it. They will almost do a better job than you will. They'll be like, no, you can't do that because you need to go on a nature hike for an hour. Remember, because if you get that hour that translates into three days of amazing, patient, engaged, available mom and wife. Huge. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. And even yeah. like on that note too, I think so many of us, if we feel really burnt out in parenting, like we've got nothing left in the tank, you know, even for our kids and there's really nothing left in the tank for our spouse oftentimes, you know, cause the kids are so needy and demanding when they're this little, especially, um, oh, yeah. but really every age also, and whether it's emotional or physical need and hanging on you all the time, you know, feeling really touched out from all of that, like it can really feel like, okay, I really don't have anything left to give my husband. But like you said, if you prioritize asking for help and understanding that you don't have to feel guilty for having needs too, like you're just as much of a human as your child, right? And you're also deserving of rest. You're deserving of being able to do something simple like exercise or to prioritize your nutrition or to go outside on a walk if that's what you need, whatever it is, right? So just not being afraid to ask. And the more open and honest I got with my husband about that, he, yeah, he wants to support me in that way. You know, he knows how much I'm up all night with the babies nursing them. And, you know, I naturally wake up every single time with them, whereas I'd have to like really shake him to wake him up. He doesn't wake up with the babies, you know, he's there by himself. So he's waking up now with William. It's funny. He's like, oh, we had a rough night last night. William was up seven times and I'm like, yeah, welcome to my life, you know? And yes, but I mean, joking sort of, but also that's the reality. And so we do pour ourselves out like without end as mothers. And it's, we will reach a breaking point. You know, if, if we are not conscious about giving ourselves permission to actually slow down a little bit and take care of ourselves too, it just doesn't lead to anything good. Like we know a tree by its fruits, right? And so when we really look at it, cause it sounds really noble, to completely empty ourselves out every single second for our kids. Right. And, you know, we think about that from like a faith-based standpoint too, of Jesus's sacrifice on the cross. He literally gave his body up completely for us. This is my body given for you. And I think about that often in motherhood, like how much are we like, this is my body given, given up for you to our, you know, through pregnancy, through giving birth, through nursing, nursing, like all of those things. But there is that, that healthy discernment of like, where are we moving out of alignment with the father's will, when we are starting to get into that kind of un, unholy self-reliance, or we're, you know, not again, recognizing our own humanity. And we need to lean on the Lord. One, we need to lean on other people. He made us for community. And that includes like leaning on our spouse in marriage. 
and sharing in each other's crosses, like bearing each other's burdens. That's what we are called to do also. And so I think it is that, you know, when we get into that place where we start to see the fruits of it, or we're really impatient with our kids, we're getting resentful of our spouse. We are, we have really, we're starting to get resentful even of motherhood, maybe. I think those for me have been the telltale signs. And I see that a lot in the women that I coach as well, where we start to see, okay, I am, I'm not really living in alignment with where God wants me to be in the way he wants me to sacrifice. Because if I'm really doing it with Christ at the center, my sacrifice will be joyful. My sacrifice will right. be fulfilled, mm-hmm. you know? And so I would just love to hear if you have any thoughts on that, Kelly, too. Well, um, yes. So the other thing that I tell parents a lot is this time when they are little and they require just, you know, um, your eyes on them, like 24 seven, don't be afraid to hire help that you need because it can be the best money that you have spent and it won't be forever. And so, you know, if it's a night nurse, if you've just had a baby, so you can sleep, maybe, you know, um, sleep is the number one thing that translates into better parents, better kids. And so, again, just understanding and not being afraid to trust the Lord and, okay, this is really what I need for six months. We need this type of support so I can get some energy back, whatever it is, because it won't be forever. And, you know, so two years later, you don't, you don't need any help. You're at a different stage, but I'm always encouraging, you know, let's be the best in the stage that you're in because it really pays dividends in the stages later. So my job is to help parents. I'm always that much further down the road. And so you don't have to worry about down the road because I've got it covered, but I can help you in the moment know this is the right way to show up in the moment that's going to help you down the road. And so that's Mm -hmm. always, how can we get you relief? How can I get you a girl's night out? Because when women go out with women, they get oxytocin and that's good. And that makes them happier and that makes them have more energy. And that translates into being a better mom who's going to be in play mode. So if you've got a kid and you're like, we can't get the morning routine. They don't want to get dressed. They don't even want to put their shoes on. We can't move to the car. Oh yeah. But if I, (laughs) if I get, if I get mom some sleep and some time, you know, and build up her oxytocin, all of a sudden she can be in play mode. So she can have the dinosaur voice that all of a sudden gets the boy who doesn't want to do any morning routine. He's like turned (laughs) into a T-Rex and he's got his shoes on and he's headed to the car. Mm -hmm. And so that allows mom to speak in the language that kids speak in, which is play. But if you're drained, no way are you going to be a dinosaur? No way are you going to have, you know, like your imagination working like, oh, did you see the dinosaur eggs that I just put in my car? Let's go find, you know, so it's um, really knowing that, again, you can, when I get you help, then everything else runs smoother. And you can talk your kids language, which is play, and they're having fun, you're having fun, and everything's running so much easier. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That is one thing too, that I've really tried to implement is understanding that the more 
I try to kind of maintain that tight grip of control. You talk about this all the time, Kelly. It's so helpful. Shifting from this tendency to try to control and to like demand compliance almost from our kids. And, and it's understandable. We're all, you know, we're all moving a million miles an hour. We're kind of rushed. So when we are rushed, when we feel rushed internally, we're trying to get from point A to point B and we have, you know, we're kind of short on time, all those things. Oh man, like that just makes our kids buck under that extra pressure. Right. So the more we can kind of slow down a little bit, meet them where they're at, try to help them like in a way that is how can, how can I kind of inspire less about compliance and control, but more so the cooperation or how can I be compassionate with them if they're struggling in some way right now? How can I get curious about what's going on behind this behavior? What do they actually need that they're telling me through their behavior? And, and then, like you said, of sometimes applying the creativity to how can I make this a game? Like Matthew right now is all about competition. Like he loves it. And I'm just laughing. Like sometimes the only way we get him to go to the bathroom when we were like, he's been hours and hours and hours and he hasn't gone potty. Like we need to go mm-hmm. to the bathroom. You know, he just wants to keep playing. We're like, okay, let's race. Let's make it a race. Or he doesn't want to get dressed. Let's see how fast we can do it. You think we can do it in 30 seconds? Well, yesterday we did it in, in 30 seconds. So let's try 20 this time. And then like making it fun and challenging. And he's all about it, you know, and then like lots of high fives and kudos and all that at the end of it. But yeah, so that's fabulous yeah. parenting. And fabulous picking up on what's he into right now. And again, the tendency parents are like, I want my kids to get on board with what I'm doing. They can't. They don't have a fully formed brain. They don't have a fully formed body. So they can't meet you where you are. But when you can dial into where they are in that moment and be there with them, then yes, you can get the results that you, you need quickly. And so, yeah, that's great. No, that's exactly, yes. And for boys, that competitive, that is their whole life. And, and the so, physical and energy I, part too. Yeah, like um, I tell every every parent, like do a wheelbarrow walk down the hall with your son, with any of your kids. It builds their shoulders, their strength, helps with handwriting, puts pressure in their joints that regulates their nervous system. It's, you know, you can make an animal noise. Um, you get lots of bang for your buck doing things like that. And for sure with boys, it's physical. And also with boys, what's interesting, I don't know if you have um, noticed this yet, but physical activity with boys is how you get them talking. It's how you get them to open up about how they're feeling. And so, um, it's, it's not going to be eye to eye over a table. It would be during a walk or um, playing basketball with my son. And once he started, his body started moving, then his mouth started opening and he wow. would just share. It was like the well was opened up. And I had um, a friend tell me that that's how she swears that how she ended up with her husband. And at one point, he was like, I don't think we really ever have had a first a dinner date. But for like nine months, they were bowling, they were golfing, they were doing all these things. Yeah. And really connecting through that action. And so when we understand, okay, this is kind of male, you know, um, tendencies versus female, we can um, take advantage of those also to, to get the behavior we want to get the connection that we want, which is really what why I'm so against instant compliance, 100% obedience, and that authoritarian parenting 
is it doesn't it doesn't provide closeness it doesn't provide connection and you have to connect before you correct you have to connect before you direct you have to connect yeah, so before you can have influence and it's like you know it's like adults are like that too if you had a boss who walked in and was like start doing this and don't you know we would instantly be like no way i don't know you so it's again it's with with kids for sure like that and so when i'm always dropping down on their level looking them in the eye you know and make sure that connection's there cuz when that connection is good then we can correct then they're open to direct and it's makes everything so much easier yes that is so good connect first Yes. Connect Next, before you before direct, you correct, connect. Or direct or influence yes. any of those things. Mm-hmm. And even just that simple thing that you just said of getting down to their eye level, getting down to their level. Like Tim was talking about, oh, we had a really hard moment yesterday or the day before he was like, I was actually really worried. He was like, I yelled at him Matthew, for the, the worst. I probably ever yelled at him because I was scared because we we're in the parking lot and he wasn't listening. And it, you know, when it's like safety's online, you yes. really, it's really mm-hmm. hard to keep your cool. So I told him what I do in those moments when we're in a parking lot or when, you know, it is like an actual moment of safety. I will, I will do what I need to do to pull him to a space that's safe. Like I will pick him up or whatever we need to do. We'll move into onto the side of the parking lot. And then I will immediately get down on his level. And like, I'll try to kind of calm the situation down a little bit first because yeah, it just, it can really just continue to escalate, you know, and then, then I'll talk through it and then I'll reinforce why it's really important that we make sure that we are being safe in the parking lot together and that, you know, let's work together to get to the car safely and then we can play and we can, you know, listen to our favorite song or we can do whatever it is. Right. And yeah. And then just also understanding, okay, well, what might've contributed to that moment where he really wants to like go run around in the parking lot or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, we just went through a store where there's a lot of different sensory stimulation, right? Like it's a new environment. There's a lot of things to look at. There's a lot of things he sees and is like, oh, I want that. Right. Um, And then other, maybe other kids, other parents, a lot going on, or maybe, maybe he was hungry. Yeah. You know, maybe that's that, exactly. Yeah. So, so many things can contribute to it. And then it allows us to just meet them where they're at in that moment, man, it is, it's just a difference maker, like these simple, simple shifts that we can learn and it can like completely dissolve the tension in that moment. So it doesn't escalate into a full blown tantrum, meltdown, power struggle, or, you know, yelling match with your kid while they're crying or whatever it is, you know? And then when you're managing multiple kids, this is really hard too. Kelly, I'd love to hear if you have tips from, you know, your own experience in helping so many parents through this, but how do we split our attention sometimes when we've got two very needy children, but different stages of their development and they need very different things. So you've got, you know, one newborn baby or a young baby who's really needs a lot of the physical touch of the nursing, or they just don't want to leave your arms or whatever it is. And then you've got your toddler who also needs a ton of attention from you, but just in a very different way. And they don't want to let go of you either. I'd love to hear if you have any specific tips for that. Yeah, definitely making sure that each, each child has a little bit of alone time. And you'll know how much they need, what that looks like. And it's filling their tank, you know, to know, okay, they're good. If you're headed out, you know, I used to tell my older kids like, okay, we're, we're headed to the park and you're going to have more freedom because I'm going to have to watch Rachel because she's two and I'm going to have to watch her on the swings, but you know, I'm going to check back in. And so just 
letting kids know kind of what the plan is. And again, military people, you're great at this. Like this is, we've already thought this through. I'm all about at family meetings all the time before I would take my kids out in public, we would do, I call them a quick huddle up. And it was like, here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going to go. Here's how we're going to go there. So my kids already knew okay, mom's going to get the stroller out, then she's going to come get us. And again, it's that kind of step-by-step step that makes them feel safe. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've gotten out of the car with friends and they've gotten their four kids out and I've gotten my three out and we've crossed the street and they've got, you know, a chaotic circus going on. And my kids are like contained and it's just the difference of a little bit of pre-planning and allowing kids to be in on it. I want, I have family meetings all the time because I want my kids to say, I want them to know your opinion matters. I want to hear it. The three-year-old opinion matters. The sixth one does. I want them to know, I want to hear your voice. I might not be able to honor it in this exact situation, but I want you to know that you're heard and here's why I couldn't like, so when we're at the park and with these friends who have four kids, here's why I can't do the thing you want me to do, but you know what, let's come back next week and then we can. And so that gets me a completely different result yeah. than not getting the buy-in, not even feeling like they're a part of it, which, you know, again, they're a part of the family from the littlest um, amount of, you know, age. And I want them to feel that. Yeah. And one thing that I heard that I just want to kind of pull out the thread on a little bit more too, is just at whatever age it is, helping them to, to feel seen and heard and valued. And that is one of, if I come in with that posture, when my kids are having a hard time with whatever it is, the meltdown, the tantrum, the, you know, not listening. And you're like, can you just listen to what I am asking you to do right now? You know, when you feel that urge to instead let that just take a breath for a minute and be like, okay, how can I first validate whatever emotion it is or whatever he is frustrated with, upset about, wants to do that he can't do right now because it's not safe or it's not time for it or whatever. And even just to say something like, I know how much you want to keep playing right now. We're going to start transitioning to bedtime. So we have one more minute to play. And, and just kind of like you said, giving them that pre-awareness of what's about to happen because otherwise it's like you stop the activity and the world is ending right and and sometimes that's still good we're still going to ride that wave of they're still going to be upset about it but it will be a little bit less upset than you know if we we aren't kind of meeting them in that place where they feel seen because otherwise it's just, it just feels very dismissive to them and then they can kind of either close in or they either push back or they self-isolate more and they don't feel that connection and the kind of love and compassion from you so connecting and, and all of that, I, that has just really helped me too. So I love that you said that. And I'm, I'm just, I love the huddle idea. I'm like, okay, as my kids get older too, and everything, like, this is going to be such a great idea, the family huddles and just allowing them to feel like they really have that voice. Oh, they love it. And I mean, my kids used to be like, mom, we need a family meeting. They want to call it. And I'd be like, okay, what are we meeting about? What, you know, and it would be the <laughs> silliest stuff, but it would just be, an opportunity to connect and laugh. It could, there could be no point. Like I'm totally up for that. Let's meet. I got three extra minutes to laugh and get everybody together. I know with the not listening again, try to do, try to use play. So if they want to stop playing, whatever they're playing, if, if there's any way to turn 
the character into, oh, you know what? Even dogs have to get a bath. We have to be clean. So let's take this, you know, this dog, you can crawl down, you can bark, you can wag your tail the whole way we're going to the bathtub. And then we're going to wash the dog. And you know what? Dogs have to sleep. So I try to stay in character (laughs) and again, use every, it could be a truck. The truck has to go to the car wash and the truck goes in the garage. Like I can come up with a story. Every single thing has to have a bath, (laughs) say a prayer and go to bed. And parents will be like, oh my gosh, we've had the smoothest week from just kind of staying in that play to get them to cooperate. But if they don't, then I will always say, I would, I would love for you to be able to play all night, but you know, we really can't. And so if we can't listen and head towards, you know, the bathtub, then tomorrow night we, we won't get any play time. And so it's again, having those boundaries of, I'm not letting them because they don't want to stop playing. I'm not letting that add 45 minutes to my night. Yeah, And that can be so hard because it's, it's, it's easier to just say, okay, 10 more minutes, but having the shift from it's easier to give in to know, actually it's better for them. They're learning valuable skills of having to contain themselves, having to, you know, learn to listen and kind of go along. Like that's a really valuable skill for a young child to start learning. And so if I just keep giving in, then that doesn't get them learning other skills that they need. So, yeah, man, we could have a whole nother conversation about boundaries. Yeah. I'd love to explore that. What you said about allowing them to kind of having to say no sometimes as parents and allowing them to work through that. What I have found helpful is let's just say the play thing, or he really wants to do a certain thing instead of just saying no, but to say, there is a time for that. The time is not right now, but this is when we can do that. And I know how excited you are. And and then even like using, allowing them to use their imagination and encouraging, like, how do you want to do that when we do it next? Like let them get excited about it. And then it helps, again, it helps sort of dissolve some of the tension in the moment when we can bring in the, because imagination is kind of like play, right? It's, it's this sort of creativity of whether it's our bodies that are moving or whether it's our minds, like I think in, in a very similar way. So I just love that. So many good things, Kelly. We are going to, we're just going to kind of wrap up here. I would love to point everybody in the direction to learn more from you. How can everybody stay connected with you and share about your podcast, share about, you know, I know we're going to share the resource below. So um, yeah. How can everybody stay connected with you? Yeah. So you can find me on um, Instagram at Kelly K Shoop. YouTube. Actually, there is live shows that you can find me at Kelly K Shoop also that talk about parenting tips. I have a podcast making sense of parenting with Kelly Shoop. They can find me there and on my website, kellykshoop.com. So lots of ways to find me and um, I think the last thing I wanted to touch on real quick, just how to pa- for parents to stay calm, I would say number one is um, step away. So to instantly, mm-hmm. once you change just the vicinity, instantly eases tension and pressure and then breathing because breathing affects our brain, but expands into our body just to take a couple breaths that usually those two things can have a really quick kind of diffusing of everything. And then you've got a moment to breathe and get a thought of, 
what's the best way to approach this? Do I want to get down yeah. on his level? Can I get in play mode with them? Can I negotiate, like you said, imagination? Here's how we could do it. Yeah. So good. Oh, thank you, Kelly. Thank you so you much for so your time welcome. today. Yes. For sharing just so much expertise and wisdom with us. And yeah, man, this has been such a joy. Such a wonderful conversation. Well, thank you again. And we will, I'm sure you and I are going to talk soon. So yes. Okay. Right. Sounds good. 